Well, last Sunday morning, we began a series of messages about the church. We talked about what church means, what church means to many different people. This morning, I I want us to focus in on understanding whose church it is. And so if you brought a Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, the 16th chapter. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture that we're going to look at together. While you're turning there, I just want to tell you, I love reading church signs. I don't know if any of you do that or not, but when you drive across the country, you see some of the most interesting signs in front of churches. And sometimes it's the message that they put up on their message boards, but many times it's just simply the names of the churches. You drive through a town and you see the signs and it makes you wonder sometimes about the heritage and the pride of the members and the community that they're part of. I remember pastoring in the hills of southeastern Oklahoma and our church sign was a piece of plywood that was cut in the shape of a church house with a steeple on it. And when you got to the corner between Han Tubby and Loving, you'd see that sign. And it told you that Big Creek Baptist Church was seven miles that way. It didn't tell you that you were going to wind over the top of Walker Mountain and through the woods and think that you were lost about five minutes before you got there because that seven miles took a while. But it was a beautiful drive. I've pulled up in front of churches and I have seen some of the most magnificent electronic signs There's no telling how many tens of thousands of dollars people have spent on those signs. Electronic, elaborate eye catchers that, man, they have every imaginable piece of information on it. Sometimes even the pictures of the children who are there participating in the activities. But it doesn't matter what kind of sign it is. It's it's there to tell us that the church meets there. It may reveal a little bit of the history of the church. I've driven through towns before and driven past the first Baptist church and gone a few blocks further down only to find the second Baptist church. And I wondered what happened. Did they get mad at each other or did one grow to the extent that they simply had to start another? It gets a little bit more questionable when you find New Hope Baptist Church or New Beginnings Or my personal favorite that I saw one time, Last Chance Baptist Church. (laughs) Sometimes those signs give us an idea about the doctrinal message you're going to find inside. They may be Baptist or Methodist or Christian or Lutheran or any other number of names. Sometimes you get the idea that certain groups of people will be welcomed readily into that building and certain other groups might not be welcomed at all. But I want to tell you something. Science cannot adequately tell us about what meets inside of a building. Because a sign cannot adequately tell us whose the church is. In fact, I think it's a rather serious matter that we need to reflect on for a while. And that's why this isn't going to be the last sermon in the series. It's going to be the second sermon in the series. And there's going to be more discussion about this to come in the weeks ahead. But right now, I want us to look at this passage of Scripture because I think we find a very clear answer here. 
Matthew chapter 16, a familiar passage. We're going to begin our reading at verse 13. If you can find that place in your scriptures, I'm going to ask you if you can and will to stand with me in honor of the reading of God's holy word as we begin our question and answer. Whose church is it? Matthew chapter 16, beginning at verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You're the Christ. The son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. For this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Did you hear that? I will build my church. I think we've got our answer. Let's pray together. Our Father, as we open your word together, we ask you to bless its reading. We pray, Father, that as we spend these moments together, you would help us to understand the church the body that you have created, the bride you have claimed, the people that you have made us into. And Father, I pray that in understanding it, we would find our mission. We would find our calling and our purpose. And I pray now, Father, as we spend these moments together, you would speak to our hearts, challenge us, convict us, change us, make us a people whose lives bring glory and honor to you in all that we say and do. Father, teach us the truth of your word. May it take root in our hearts. For we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The question is simple. Whose church are we? Whose church are we? To whom do we belong? Absolutely. Thank you. We belong to God. We are His people, called by His name. We need to grasp that truth, church, because today the world is looking at the church and wondering, who is this church? I said it last week, so let's just start there. The church is God's. The church is of God. You remember last Sunday we were looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 where we read we are the church of God. Those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be holy. God planned his church. He planned his church long before the world ever began. Now, I know a lot of folks struggle with that. Say, wait a minute, how how can that possibly be? Well, let's understand something. God is all-knowing. God is ever-present. 
There's not anything that happens that surprises him. There's not anything that sneaks up on him. And just as we read about his son, Jesus Christ, that he is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world, we also are told that he called us. You see, he knew we were going to be born. He knew we were going to hear his message. We knew that he knew that his spirit was going to pierce our hearts and draw us toward him. We are his people called by him. God is the designer of the church. He is the architect of this body. He is the one who establishes our purpose, our plan, our business. I I, I think it's hilarious sometimes. We think we're going to establish our agenda. No. Our agenda is already established. God is the one who has put it forth. He is the one who has called us into being. And he is the one who has a purpose and a plan for us. Understand something this morning. The church is not a denomination. The church is not a structure, a building. The church is not an organization. It is not a hierarchy. We are a God-called group of people, redeemed saints of the living God who confess Jesus Christ as Savior. And we are commanded and commissioned to present Him and represent Him to a world that does not yet know Him. That's who we are. We are His. And as his people, we clearly state, we clearly state that Jesus Christ is Lord of the church. Therefore, he has the right to rule over us and to set our directions and establish our agendas for whatever he desires to do in us, with us, and through us for his own glory and purpose. I was sitting in my office and I found myself wondering, what what does it mean to me personally when I say that Jesus is Lord of the church? I, I would ask you to frame that question in your own mind. What does it mean to you personally if you're willing to say that Jesus Christ is Lord of the church? I found myself sitting there with a whole lot of thoughts swirling inside of my brain. It's kind of like a dust cloud. But I want to tell you something. Being part of the church is the greatest honor that I have ever been given. Being a part of the church of Jesus Christ is the greatest honor I will ever receive in this lifetime. You see, that means that he has called me. He has redeemed me. He has forgiven me. He has claimed me as his own possession and said, I will use you. Listen, I look in the mirror. I know what I am. I am a sinful man. I am a broken man. I am imperfect in all my ways. And yet the perfect, sinless, unflawed Lamb of God has looked at me and said, I want you. He claimed me. He redeemed me. He invited me into his family of faith and reinvented me into what he wanted me to be. Who is he to you? You see, he's invited me into a relationship with him but I'm not alone he has invited all those who are his he called me to serve as his representative he's called you as well what are we representing to we are representatives to a world that has not yet met him that does not know him that perhaps has not heard his message of love and forgiveness and redemption and hope and life How did you get there, preacher? It was all of his doing. I can never do enough. 
I can never give enough. I can never serve long enough even to say thank you, let alone to deserve or to earn what he has given. It's grace. It's all grace. But I will tell you this, my gratitude for his love, his grace, his mercy that has been extended to me, that's what drives me. That's what drives me to persevere in the Lord. That's what, it's his love for me that drives me to serve in his church and be a part of his kingdom and, and to do that which he bids me do. I get tickled today because I read the word of God and, and I, I listen to people. I listen to the news. I read the articles. I read the journals. And, and I, am, I just find it comical that people say, the church is failing. It's being cast upon the scrap heap of history. The church is no longer relevant. Folks, I'm sure you've heard or read some of those same things, but let me just give you a clue. There is one who is greater than any writer, greater than any journalist, greater than any preacher, greater than any atheist. There is one who is greater than any and all who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We will never be irrelevant. We will never be cast upon the scrap heap of history. We will never be dying in this world. Why? Because Jesus said, ain't going to happen. We're his bride. I will build my church. Well, who said that? Who said that? Jesus. The Christ. Jesus. Jesus. Just, Just listen to that. Jesus. What an amazing name that is. Jesus. Folks, you may not understand it at this moment, but I want you to hear me. Jesus. There's power in that name. Jesus. It shakes the world up. Jesus. Whenever the angels proclaimed that name, it sent a shiver through a king in Jerusalem. Jesus. It was at that name that the lame began to walk. Jesus, it was that name, that man who led the dead to get up and come out of the tomb. Jesus, that's the one who touched those who were deaf, who were blind, who were infirm and made them whole. Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. And he's the one who said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus. See, we make a lot about that name. Absolutely. See, one day, at that name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is power in the name of Jesus. So when he says, I will build my church, you better believe he's going to build his church. And when he says the gates of hell will not prevail against it, you better believe nothing is going to stand against the church of Jesus Christ. Does he love his church? He gave his all for us. He laid down his life for us. And he has entrusted us now today with spiritual gifts to use in fulfilling his mission and accomplishing his purposes in this world for his kingdom. Oh, make no mistake about it, my friend. When you look around you, this is God's church. 
We are of God. Now, there may be some folks you're looking at and saying, I'm not so sure about them. You let God worry about that. This is his church. We are of him. This is God's church. Now, I'm going to say something next. I want you to give me a chance. This is your church. What do you mean this is your church? You just said it's God's church. That's right. And you are a part of his church. Therefore, it is yours. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he says, Now you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. Well, because we are a part of it and it is the body of Christ, it's our church. Because of this truth, each believer should be able to say, that is my church, and have a sense of ownership as they participate in it. Listen, I'm proud to say this is my church. That doesn't mean I'm taking anything away from God. I can't. It's his. But he has made me a part of it, and as a part, it is my church. I am thankful for his church. I am part of what God is doing here and now in the lives of the many parts of his church and the lives of those that we touch each week through our ministry and our mission and our testimony. I want you to understand me, friend. When you share your faith, I'm part of that. When I share my faith, you're a part of that. Why? Because we are interconnected. We are all one body. We're many parts, but we're all one body. And so whenever one engages in ministry, we are all there engaging in that together. It's your church. I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of what the Lord is doing, has done, is going to do. It's real. It impacts my life every day, and it ought to impact yours as well. We ought to be excited to serve in the church of Jesus Christ every day. But by the way, that requires something of you. You've got to find your place, and you've got to fit in. It's not good enough to say, well, my name's on the roll. I'm going to tell you something. Your name can be on the roll, and you can go right on into hell. Just having your name on a church roll does not mean that you are part of the kingdom of God. Nor does it mean that you are a believer in Jesus Christ, a disciple, a follower. No, it requires more than that. You need to know who Jesus is. Listen, when you find out who Jesus is, when you let him transform your heart and your life and change you from the inside out, you want to be part of the church. You want to be part of his bride. You want to get connected. You want to find your place. You want to fit in. You want to serve. There is a profound, a marvelously profound sense of satisfaction that comes from serving in the kingdom of God. It feels good. To be part of the church. It feels good to be part of a people who stand for what's right. Who minister to the needs of those who come across our path. Who shows people, teaches people the way to eternal life in Jesus Christ. It's in the church that we find purpose and meaning and relationships and joy. You say, well, I find all of that in Jesus. Absolutely. But he did not save you so that you could do life on your own. He saved you to make you a part of his body, a part of his bride. We do it better when we do it together. It's my church. But I said it's your church. Therefore, that means I have to tell you the next thing. It's our church. 
It's our church. We are, I, I told you a moment ago, we are many members. We may have a, a sense of ownership, but not any one of us owns the church. Together, we make up the body of Christ. God's word says that we are knit together like, like the sinews, the tendons hold the body together. We're all parts. Some parts are highly visible and, and do things and we say, isn't that wonderful? And then there are other parts that we don't talk about. We keep those kind of in secret. But they're all necessary. They're all necessary. Paul described it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. He said, to each one, the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. See, he brings us together because he knows that when he fits us all together the way that he desires, we become a fully functioning body. Whenever every part of the body is doing what it's supposed to do, fulfilling its purpose, fulfilling its, its calling according to where it is placed in the body, man, the body thrives and it grows and everything is good. But whenever one part of the body ceases to function, things start to go sideways. The evidence is in the hospitals, folks. The analogy bears out. Whenever one part of the body begins to fail, when it's not fulfilling its function, when it's not doing what it was designed to do, placed to do, positioned to do, everything begins to come apart. I was reading with the children a couple of verses at the beginning of Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16, Paul says, The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I look around this room. I do every week. And every week I am struck by how everyone in here is different. Some are more different than others. We're all unique. We don't have the same abilities. We don't have the same talents. We don't have the same gifts. We are of different backgrounds, different ages, different genders certainly of different appearances. And yet we all have special gifts that God has given to us. And he has brought us together so that those gifts might be used as a blessing to one another and the world around us. We are called to, to, to share our faith, our calling, our service in common. As different as we may be from one another, as unique as we may be, we have all been called by the same Lord to share our lives together in service to Him and His kingdom. We're called to live in Christ, to grow in Christ, to, to share Christ. We all have a place. We should all share a common need for each other. And be burdened with a common concern for our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because it doesn't matter. Hey, RJ, how old are you? How old are you? Six? RJ's six years old. 
hey, George, <laughs> how long ago was it you were six years old? Maybe five years ago. Yeah. That's complicated math, isn't it? <laughs> Across this room, everybody falls in between there. Five, six years old, nearly 90. Can I tell you something? It doesn't matter. If God has called you into his family, there's something for you to do. It doesn't matter if you're this high or you're this high. It doesn't matter if you've got a head full of hair or you don't have any hair. It doesn't matter if you are a wealthy person. It doesn't matter if you came in here thinking, Lord, I just need another nickel so I can rub the two of them together. It doesn't matter. What matters is this. Has Jesus called you into his family? Has he redeemed you and placed you into his kingdom? And if he has, you've got a responsibility to be a part of the body of Christ. Why? Because the church is God's church. It's your church. It's our church. Oh, but there's one more thing i got to tell you this morning before I quit. This is their church. See, the church exists. For those who haven't arrived yet. <laughs> we usually stop short of this point. We, we forget this point. I'm not forgetting it today. We're not going to get off that easy. The church exists for those who still do not know Christ as Lord and Savior. The church exists for those that God knows are one day going to move into this region, into this area. But they haven't got here yet. In fact, I'll even go this far because God is all-knowing. This church exists for some people who haven't even been born yet. But one day, they're going to sit in these seats and they are going to be the church of Jesus Christ. Some of us will still be here. Some may not be. It's what God does. You see, the church exists for those who have not arrived yet. This is a clear summary of the mission of the church. We're supposed to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ, be concerned with, with reaching the lost. Jesus was always reaching people outside of his circle. Do you all realize that? We get real comfortable with our little crowd, don't we? Jesus could have gotten so comfortable with his 12, he never did anything else, but he never did that. He was always reaching outside of a circle to those who, who were rejected, those who were different, maybe those that were considered to be discards, disposable people. And that's what the early church set out to do in the book of Acts. You read about them, and, and, and they're going into the homes of Gentiles. And, and Listen, it wasn't easy for them, but they learned to move outside of their normal circle, and they began to reach people who were different than themselves. And, and, and the church began to grow. Why? Because that's what the church is designed to do. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to cross and to tear down every man-made boundary and barrier and preach the gospel to every nationality, every class, every color, every nation, every tribe, and every religion. Jesus doesn't care who they are. He cares about who they're going to become. You know, I found myself thinking about this the other day as I was driving and I came through the intersection at 21st and Mays. It makes me believe in hell 
almost every time I go through that intersection. Do you know that everybody at that corner, in every vehicle, does not matter what their age was, does not matter what their skin color was, their hairstyle was, or what they were driving, or whether they were smart or lacking somewhat, everyone at that corner is a potential brother and sister in Christ. Everyone at that corner is a potential disciple of Jesus. And that's just one corner. That's that's just one intersection I happened to be going through that was busy, crazy, and crowded, and filled with people. And I thought to myself, all of these people, probably some of them already are my brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of them already are disciples. Some of them already are a part of the body of Christ. But there are people flying through this intersection who don't know Jesus, and they're driving like this. We ought to be burdened for them, folks. We ought, to, we ought to desire to learn, to know how to share the message of Jesus in a way that we can invite others into his family. We ought to be willing to share with people even if they're different from us. Because that's what Jesus showed us to do even as he was ministering here on this earth. Listen, this is your church. It's our church. It's their church. All of those things are true in their own way, but never lose sight of the baseline truth. The church is of God. We are His people. Whose church is it? It's God's church. Whose church is this? It's your church. Whose church is this? It's our church. Whose church is this? It's their church. The bigger question that has to be asked is, are you a part of the church of Jesus Christ? Have you found your place? Have you connected? Have you begun to fulfill your function, your calling within the bride of Christ? And if not, would you do it today? The church is not like a civic organization where you walk in and say, I want to belong to the Rotary. I want to be a Kiwana. I want to be a lion. Well, come to the meeting. Pay your dues. You can belong. No. See, the church is different because someone else already paid our dues. And he personally invites us to become a part. And we can't become a part just because we want to. We become a part because he invites us to. And he's paid our dues and says, come. And it may be that you're sitting here this morning and you say, well, I don't have to worry about that. My name's on the church roll. Okay. But I want to ask you one question. Is your name written on the Lamb's book of life? Because that's far more important than a roll book. When you stand before the judge, is he going to look at you and say, 
Who are you? Depart from me. I never knew you. Are you going to see that smile light up his face and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant? See, the difference between those two things is the difference between knowing Jesus and not knowing Jesus. So when I ask you, do you know Jesus? I'm asking you the most important question I will ever ask or that anyone will ever ask. Is he your Lord and Savior? Are you part of the bride? Are you standing outside? Come on in. Doors open. Father calling. Soon, very soon, there's going to be a great going home time. And you don't want to miss it. Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing an invitation, a song of commitment. I, I want to give you the opportunity to respond to the Word of God, to the voice of God, to the Spirit of God. It may be that you're sitting in this room and you say, but I'm a member of this church, but I don't think I know Jesus. Can I tell you something? I don't care about this church's membership role. I care about the Lamb's Book of Life. My friend, there's not anything more important than that. And I'm pleading with you, don't hide behind church membership. It's a losing front. And you're going to wind up spending eternity separated from God if that's what you're trusting in. Today, would you call on Jesus? Would you confess your sin to him, turn from it and say, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be a child of the living God. My friend, you say, well, I can't make that decision. Yes, you can. If his spirit is calling you, convicting you, leading you, you need to do that today. You say, I'm not sure what to do. When we stand, start saying, come take me by the hand. I I won't embarrass you or put you on the spot, but I'd love to share with you how you can become a child of God today. Maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, you know what? I am a child of God, but I'm not connected to his body. I'm not a part of this church. I'm not a part of a a fellowship of believers where I can serve and be served and I can function within the body and the framework of, of the bride of Christ. Is God calling you? What do you need to do? Not sure? We'll figure it out together. But I'm asking you, will you let God call the shots today and every day going forward from here? He's ready. He's willing. He's waiting on you. So what are you going to do? Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for the assurance That the church is not irrelevant. The church is not dying. The church is not on the scrap heap. No, because you said you would build your church. And the gates of Hades could not stand against it. Father, I pray this morning for us in this room. For your church. We're part of it. 
we're knitted together the way that you have made us. We, have, uh, we bring all of the gifts, the abilities, the talents that we have, not because they're ours, but because they're yours. You've given them to us. And you've brought us together to serve you and to serve your purpose in this place. Father, there may be some in this room who've not yet received their gifts because they've not yet received their salvation. Father, I pray for them today that your spirit would convict them of sin, convince them of the Savior, draw them to yourself. Father, I pray, draw them into your bride. Father, there's some in this room who need to connect to the body. They need to connect themselves to the bride of Christ so that you can use them in a new and different way from what you are right now. And Father, there are those in this room who are part of the body, a part of the bride, as connected as they can be, and yet they're still not fulfilling their function. And today you're convicting, you're calling. I pray you give us ears to hear hearts that are open and ready to respond. And as your voice calls, we would simply say to you, I surrender. I surrender. Have your way in my life. Father, I look across this room, I see faces. You look through this room and you see each heart. You know its condition. You know its need. And you know what you desire to do with it. And so, Father, I pray, have your way in this room. Do in each life what you desire to do, that which will bring glory and honor to you. Father, have your way, for I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, songs end. Worship services conclude. But God's call does not stop until God says, I'm done. And it may be that you're standing here in this room and this song's ended and this worship service is going to end and you're going to say to yourself, man, I should have. You still can. You still can. If God's calling, you say, but I, I'm not sure what to do. Come see me. I'll be at the back door. You've got to sneak by me somehow. I'd love to visit with you. There's not anything you can do more important than being in the right place with God. I challenge you. Let him have his way in your life.